The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. And the word of God that we're looking at this morning is from Luke chapter 2. So if you haven't already, open there with me, Luke chapter 2. That's there. Uh, If you need a copy, grab one in the pew rack. It's on page 857 in Luke chapter 2. As you're turning there, I just want to identify a reality about Christmas that I'm learning uh, as a parent and as an adult. Um, There's a real change in how I look forward to Christmas and kind of the timetables associated with Christmas. I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about. I remember as a kid, like Christmas couldn't come fast enough, right? And it was just agonizingly slow to have to wait for Christmas. Uh, I grew up attending an 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service, and I remember that the Christmas Eve service seemed to last forever, and the guy that was up front talking wouldn't stop talking so that I could go home and then go to sleep and open up presents. And then I was in school, right, and you think as a student, you can't wait for Christmas Eve, or you can't wait for Christmas break and getting your exams over with, and that seemed to take forever too, uh, right? But one of the realizations is that time kind of shifts, right, as an adult, and where you used to kind of look forward to something that seemed to take forever, now it seems like you just got done digesting Thanksgiving, right? And then it's Christmas, and now Christmas is, you know, come and gone in one sense, and the way we think about time and waiting changes uh, as we age, and our perspectives change as well. So whether you are in a place where you think that Christmas couldn't come fast enough, or whether you wish it would slow down, Um, We all reflect about the realities of waiting. Waiting too long or perhaps with time moving too fast. But both of those mindsets are all about focusing about uh, the purpose of Advent in the coming of Christ and the preparation for His coming and what it means for us to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. And in Luke chapter 2 this morning, we're going to see a figure uh, who is oftentimes looked over in the Christmas story because he comes after the proper Christmas story in the first part of Luke chapter 2, focus on a man named Simeon who knew what it meant to wait with eager longing and hopeful expectation, and he was waiting not just for a particular, you know, Advent season of a certain phrase of December, perhaps. Uh, He was waiting his entire life. So, if you know what it means to wait for something that you hope for, Sometimes it can be discouraging when you feel like it will never come. Well, Simeon is a person in the Scriptures who waits literally his entire life for something to come. And we find in Luke chapter 2 the fulfillment of a promise made to him where he no longer has to wait. So, in the Advent season, we've been looking at the announcements and songs of Christmas, uh, Zachariah's Benedictus, uh, Mary's Magnificat, and now Simeon sings a song that we call the Nunc Dimittis. The Nunc Dimittis, and we'll explain what that means. But if you've got your Bible there, open in Luke chapter 2. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the Scriptures, and we will hear it together. Great God, we turn now to Your Word because here You reveal Yourself to us. We pray now that we might approach it with faith and hopeful expectation and patient waiting as Simeon hopefully waited for the Messiah. We pray now, Lord, that we would receive your word with faith, that it would be planted deeply within us and bear fruit to the glory of your name and the joy of our hearts and in praise and honor of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. 
And now hear God's word at Luke 2, at beginning at verse 22, under the heading Jesus presented at the temple. This is the word of God. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years, and when she was a virgin, and then as a widow, she until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. So let's keep our Bible open there and see Simeon's song, the Nunc Diminis. Now, uh, everybody loves newborn babies, and uh, in addition to being responsible parents, mom and dad oftentimes have to referee who holds the baby and for how long, right? At uh, family events and extended family events, babies get passed around and shared or perhaps around the church, family and friends. Uh, and that's normal, right? For somebody to want to hold your baby. Now, what would not be normal would be as if you were in the grocery store and some strange old man behind you suddenly grabs your baby from you and says, I'm going to hold your child, right? You would say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second, who are you, right? Now, not exactly the exact same thing, but something of that is what's happening here. Here in the temple, Mary and Joseph are presenting Jesus as is custom. They've brought Jesus, who is now 40 days old. Jesus, as a, a good Jewish child, would be circumcised on the eighth day and now 40 days old, brought into the temple to fulfill the ritual laws of Judaism. And it seems perhaps that they only make it in the door, or maybe after the ceremony in verse 28, that this man, who prior to this is completely unknown to us, and we could probably assume completely unknown to Mary and Joseph as well, takes this newborn child, Jesus, into his arms and sings. And the prospect of that on the surface seems quite strange until we hear what Luke has to tell us about who this man is and why he should so lovingly cradle the Lord Jesus 
and declare this song of praise. His name is Simeon, and we only know about him what Luke tells us in verse 25 and 26, that he was righteous and devout, which is a normal way to describe a faithful Jewish believer. We see there that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is a really big statement, but essentially what Luke is doing here in his gospel is he is presenting Simeon as one man who represents the entirety of the Jewish nation. And Simeon, who is there as a righteous and devout Jewish believer, attending the temple service as a faithful Jew would, he is waiting for the hope and the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel as Israel themselves as a nation was waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises to them. Israel had been waiting for God's promises, for their deliverance and their salvation, and they had been waiting a long time. Simeon, we find as a man, has been waiting his entire life, but again, he represents Israel, who has been waiting for how long? Well, 500 years since the prophet Malachi had last spoken a word of prophecy to the nation of Israel, but really the promises of God are, 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 are longer than that. They're more historic than that. It looks back to the promises that God gave Abraham in Genesis 15 of a blessing to all nations, even to the Gentiles. God's promises can be traced back all the way into the book of Genesis 15 and even further all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when God promised that the seed of the woman would come to crush the head of the serpent and cancel out death and bring an end to the curse of sin forever. God's promises to Israel and to the world of a deliverer and a redeemer and a savior long since promised and Simeon as a man is waiting for them to be fulfilled just like Israel as a nation is waiting for them to be fulfilled. But also Simeon has a special promise given to him. We see that in verse 26 that Simeon as a man was promised and we don't know what this looked like or how he received this promise all we knew is that Simeon as a man received the promise that he himself would not perish, that he would not die before he laid eyes on the Lord's Christ. Verse 26 says that it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. So here is Simeon, who is an otherwise completely ordinary older man, faithful Jewish believer, waiting and waiting and waiting, and we're to understand it as Simeon, old and gray and advanced in years, but still going to the temple, still regularly going to pray, still regularly going to observe the sacrifices in the hope of the one sacrifice who's going to come to fully cancel out sin forever. And he's been waiting and waiting and waiting and you and I get exhausted by waiting 30 seconds for a web page to load, right? We get frustrated that it doesn't come fast enough, as if we've forgotten the days of dial-up internet, right? Good grief. Simeon's been waiting forever, his entire life, until one glorious day. And what I want to see about Simeon's reception of the Lord Jesus in the text is I want us to see why it's worth the wait both for Simeon as an individual, but also for us who also wait for the appearance of Jesus as well. I want us to see what Jesus being presented in the temple and Simeon's reception of him means for Simeon and for us. So first of all, what, is this, what does this mean for Simeon as he sees the Lord Jesus and receives him? Well, again, Luke calls him righteous and devout. We could also call him patient 
and hopeful. And when the Bible speaks of hope, it doesn't mean wish upon a star type hope. Where we're anxiously uncertain about what will be. But when the Bible speaks of hope, the Bible speaks of hope as faithfully trusting in the promises of God to bring about what He has promised. Hope in the Bible is not an uncertain thing, but it is a certain thing. And so Simeon's hope is founded upon the sure promises of God. And he was told that he would see the Messiah. And Simeon knew that he would see the Messiah because God says so. So when he says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He has laid eyes upon the Lord Jesus. And Simeon knows that God has been faithful to his word. And that's what the name of the song, Nunc Dimittis, it comes from, verse 29. The first word in the Latin phrase in verse 29. The Nunc Dimittis means now release. Because he says in verse 29, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon is otherwise saying, Lord, I'm ready to die. Now release me, Lord. You are letting your servant depart in peace. He is literally saying, Lord, now I can die because your promises have been confirmed. He knows that he can die faithfully because he has waited faithfully because this child is his very life. That's why he sings in verse 30, My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon looks upon the baby Jesus and knows that this is his promised deliverer the one whom every generation of Jewish believers have looked for from Abraham to Moses and David and all the prophets and the long line of promises all throughout the Old Testament are all converging on this one child and Simeon knows it which is why he says my eyes have seen your salvation because this baby is not just a baby it is the God man the anointed one the Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ we affirm that Again, as we affirmed it on Christmas Eve, as we should affirm it all the time, that we believe in the Christian faith that the Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. That the eternally existing Son of God and second person of the Trinity took upon Himself a human nature, assumed flesh, and the eternal God was born. That the infinite God occupied infinite Space occupies now a finite humanity. That he who lived outside of time now has a birthday. What a remarkable thought that is. That the one who spread out the cosmos and created the world by the word of his power has to be carried into the temple by his earthly mother. Now in the hands of Simeon. And Simeon sees all of it. And he believes with sheer amazement and wonder. He doesn't understand all of it because how could he? But when you don't understand everything, you receive it by faith. And that's what Simeon does. He believes. He says, my eyes have seen. He's not just talking about physical sight, looking at a baby. He is talking about the eyes of faith that looks upon this child and knows that this is the Messiah. This is the long-awaited deliverer. Now, again, that presents something of a challenge to us. Especially those of us who are much more comfortable with Jesus as a baby than Jesus as a 30-year-old man making promises and uh, giving commands. It's easier to think about Jesus in the manger 
Because he's not calling upon you to take up your cross and follow him and lay down your life. It's easier to think about Jesus in Bethlehem, who's not able to speak yet, because he's not able to say that if you take up your cross and follow me, it's going to create division in your life. And people will not always receive you with welcome. It's difficult to follow Jesus if you're someone who always wants to be understood. It's difficult to follow Jesus if you're someone who always wants to be accepted. It's difficult to follow Jesus if you're somebody who always wants to be praised by other people. And some people prefer to keep Jesus this infant child. But Simeon looks upon the infant child and knows who he really is, knows the claims that he's going to make, knows the purposes for which he's come into the world. Simeon is saying in the power of the Spirit that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior of God's people, and this is the one who will live and die and rise and claim all things for his kingdom and claim individual believers as his own people. And Simeon says, I am one of those people who will look upon Jesus and say, this is my Lord and this is my Savior and I am not ashamed to do so. And we look upon Simeon with love and admiration for a man who is unwilling to let the opinions of the crowd as he holds a baby declaring, this is the Savior of the world. And they would look at him and say, you're nuts. He is not swayed by that. He confidently said this is the Messiah. This is the salvation of all people. And we must likewise agree with Simeon. So that's what Simeon means. Uh, that's what Jesus means to Simeon. So what about, what about us? Again, people always want to know what the Bible has to do with them, how it applies to them. Well, the point is, is that the Bible makes a claim upon your life. The Bible makes a claim. It stakes its claim upon all people. Simeon says in verse 31 that the salvation that Jesus Christ brings in verse 31 has been prepared in the presence of all people. Everyone. Now in the ancient world, there were only really two kinds of people with a subcategory of one. There was Jew and Gentile. There was a subcategory of Gentile called the barbarians who were further even outside the scope. But you were either Jewish or not Jewish. And Simeon declares that the salvation that Jesus is bringing into the world is a light for Gentiles and glory to Israel. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Now, it's glory to Israel because, of course, Jesus is a Jewish Messiah. He would come through the covenant line of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, to be the true king. But he is also the hope of the Gentiles as well, those who are outside the scope of God's covenant thus far, those who have never been welcomed into the temple, those who have never come to learn of the sacrifice for their sins, those who are outside of the nation of Israel, but all nations and all the world, that the Jewish Messiah is a Messiah for all the world in verse 32 is what Simeon is saying. That means that Jesus Christ is a light that penetrates all of the darkness, everywhere that the darkness is found, which is why Jesus says, I am the light of the world, not just the light of the Jewish people, but I am the light of the world. What Simeon is declaring here is that God's final climactic revelation of himself to all the world is found in Jesus Christ. That he is light, that he is glory, and that this salvation is prepared for all people. That means that nobody is exempt from hearing the proclamation of Jesus as Lord. No one is excused 
No one is set outside the scope of receiving the announcement of the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. This salvation is prepared in the presence of all people. That's why Jesus can also say, in addition to what He says in John 8 and John 14, no one can come to the Father but through Me. And some people think that the claims of Jesus Christ are unnecessarily limited in scope and unfair, a bit grinchy, you know, that Christians have their hearts two sizes too small because they're over here saying that Jesus is an exclusive Savior. But that, that's not because God doesn't love the world. It's because God does love the world and He has revealed to the world that the only way to be saved is through this Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus bears no hostility to the nations. He loves the nations. And in Him, it is revealed to all people the hope of salvation. But it is only in this Savior that the nations can come in. That's why it's good news. A light of redemption to both Gentiles and to Jews. The Gospel is being proclaimed here by Simeon to say that the good news of salvation is not you better become Jewish. The good news of salvation is it doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you live in the United States or in Israel. It doesn't matter these various national identifiers of who you are. All people should come in and see this Messiah as their Messiah. Now the Bible doesn't say any more about Simeon. We don't don't know when he died. Presumably he died not soon after this. But you can be sure that Simeon died full of peace. Right? Full of hope. Full of faith. Confident that God had shown him his salvation. Simeon would not see that this baby would grow up to perfectly fulfill the law, live in complete obedience, die and rise. He wouldn't see the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven's throne, but he believed. He believed everything that God said. And so if Simeon believed everything about Jesus and he lived before all of those realities, then we who live after all these realities are without excuse to completely trust in Jesus Christ for everything He is and for everything that He has done for us. Simeon saw Jesus, weak, dependent, lowly baby, and believed by faith that this is the Savior of the world. And we also by faith look upon the fullness of all that Christ has done and can conclude that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now one final thing that I think is a beautiful reality about this is we should ask, where where does the glory of God dwell? Well, in the Old Testament it was understood that the glory of God dwelt in the temple. That God met with His people there in the temple. They came to witness the sacrifices and believe that God was their Redeemer. The glory of God dwelt in the temple. And Luke is telling the story here now that the glory of God is now contained in a person. That the glory of God is now veiled in human flesh. Here is the fullness of God's presence in Jesus Christ there in a temple and now Jesus is ascended so we should ask the question where does the glory of God now dwell? Where does the glory of God dwell? It is not in an earthly temple in Jerusalem. The glory of God dwells in an earthly sense 
when the people of God gather as the foretaste of heavenly Zion to worship their resurrected and ascended King who reigns in heaven and we who live by faith and trust in that Jesus Christ gather together and the glory of God dwells in our midst. Simeon says, my eyes see your salvation. And the church is the people of God who gather together to bear witness that we also have seen the salvation of God and believe. That we believe in Jesus Christ and we powerfully articulate that both in word and in witness and in song and in prayer so that those who look upon Jesus who do not perceive Him to be the Savior might see the witness of the church as the glory of God dwelling in our presence to see that there is a hope of a Savior for them as well. Simeon is a faithful believer who, in other words, goes to church, (laughs) believes in God's promises, worships God, and receives His salvation. And we, as Christians, living on the other side of the cross and resurrection and ascension, are those who likewise, in the Spirit, go to where the glory of God is most fully revealed, the church of Jesus Christ, to say, this is God's salvation. So let me just encourage your hearts today that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're looking in the right place. That your hopes are not misplaced. That when you look upon Jesus Christ by faith, you are receiving the fullness of God's revelation in Himself to fully forgive your sins and one day transform you to dwell into His glorious presence so that you, just like Simeon, can depart this world in peace. I have known beautiful Christians, beautiful Christian believers, and you have known them too, who die in peace who die with hope, who die full of faith, trusting in Christ. And dear friends, there is no other way to die, is there, than with faith in Jesus Christ. Fully assured as Simeon, let us be those like Simeon who say, I have seen your salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to believe upon Him with simple and humble faith, looking upon Him as the Savior of our souls. We thank You, Father, that that faith gives to us assurance and confidence. Bless, Lord, every single one of us that we might receive that same assurance and confidence today and live in the hope that we have seen a light of revelation and glory that You have revealed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.